Trisha Lewis and this is Make It Real and we're going to make business systems real today. So as you grow your business, certain things start happening if you like the problems with success and you need to delegate and you need to get some kind of operations manual in place to do that. You need to free up time by putting systems in place, but you're not quite sure which ones, how, and you may be worried that this is going to make you a very boring individual. It won't. Stay tuned. We're talking to a highly experienced business advisor who helps her clients do just this in a very real way. Let me introduce my guest. This is Sandy Rodriguez talking all the way from Greater Philadelphia and she helps women entrepreneurs scale up their business to make more time for what matters most. She's a business advisor. She's a professional problem solver. Sandy Souls is the name of her business, in fact. So let's get down into those systems. As we as we begin this conversation, listeners, I'm I'm all kind of girly and giggly because Sandy just paid me a really lovely compliment about how she knew it'd be fun hanging out with me um, right from my first post that she saw. So I frankly am just bathing in that wonderful feeling. But likewise, I had a sense that I was going to enjoy hanging out with Sandy, and you listeners are going to enjoy this too, because. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone, this episode, and it might sound a little bit unglamorous and unexciting, um, but do you know what the title of my podcast is? Make it real. And so, hey, we're going to get real about some of the things we need to put around us as we're growing our business that really do make a huge difference. Things like systems and processes. And oh, all that yummy, yummy stuff. It's perfectly exciting, isn't it, Sandy? Definitely, definitely. It's so good to have you and uh, welcome all the way from across the globe there. In I've already confessed to my lack of geographical knowledge, um, but I love the way you said Delaware Valley. So I'm going with Delaware Valley because I just <laughs> love, oh, that sounds great. Now, let's dig in because you actually have been on a little bit of a journey with your own business. Um, now you've got like a ton of experience because like me, you are a wiser elder in the world and you made a little bit of a um an adaptation shall we say during the pandemic like thousands of other people have done so and kind of in that process maybe you just put it to me came into your own personality and in that process started getting clients and so so just 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 give listeners a clue about that journey sort of in in a in a sort of <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell just give me 30 years in a nutshell go on do it <laughs> um so all i ever wanted to do when i was growing up was become a teacher and i did do that for 6 years but when i had my daughter i flipped into a work from home homeschooling mom and ran a screen printing, embroidery, and promotional products company that evolved into websites and marketing, which was something my husband in the business was enjoying, um, which was great up until the pandemic hit, at which point, as you noted, I had to make a shift 
And it was for two reasons. It was one was because the promotional products industry was taking a hit due to the pandemic. Nobody needed promotions to give out for a while. And then the other part of it was I really wanted to get back to teaching. Only I couldn't get into the classroom because of limitations to the effects of Lyme's disease. And so I began wondering, well, what could I do? I got 30 years of experience in business. What could I do? And I realized I was helping other entrepreneurs anyway. And in talking to one friend who was struggling to grow her business during the pandemic, we talked about how I was solving people's problems. And I sort of blurted out, Sandy solves. And she just went, I love it. And so Sandy Solves Business Advising was born. And now I work with women entrepreneurs who are successful and actually having problems because of their success or they want something more. And having been there, done that, I'm helping them to move to the next level with their businesses. I love that. I mean, it's, it, who doesn't like a bit of alliteration? And actually S is, is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> so Sandy Solves is, is perfect. And um, I love, the, here's a question actually before I before we dig into some of this women entrepreneurs so was that a was that a specific decision on your part or does it happen by accident because that was the people that were coming to you I'd say men. <laughs> yeah it's it, well ironically it's it's a little of both of what you said but also I the two high ticket clients I just booked were men <laughs> so uh, I, my community is for women entrepreneurs, but my business advising, since I'm resonating with men building their businesses too, I'm, I'm good with that. I, it's, I'm not going to limit myself. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, that is perfect because I, 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 that's a great way of putting it because I, I, and many people I know um, working in this kind of advisory consultancy, coaching, whatever, have a similar scenario where they do seem to be working actually primarily with women but are no way putting the the door closed to men and do work with men as well but I love the way you put my community so yes in many ways because you're a woman um you're kind of speaking a certain kind of language and connecting ways and and you're sort of able in a community so I get it that's good I like that yeah so yeah the community is brand new I literally just rolled it out this month and ah. it's called the Sandy Solves Collaborative and it's going to be a collection of what I'm calling CEO councils. And those are going to be small groups of six to eight women who meet on a regular basis with each other, kind of in a mastermind sort of format, but where they're supporting each other, answering each other's questions, being there for each other. And so multiple of these councils will exist and they'll be in a larger community in an app called circle.so that I have built out. And that will be resources, questions, uh, celebrate your wins kinds of things. Mm. But the, the little CEO councils will be um, where the magic happens because you get to know your, your council. It's like your own personal board of directors because too many women entrepreneurs have no one to bounce ideas off of or the people around them have no idea, no understanding of what they're doing building a business. So, oh, that's a nice little hobby you have, or that's that's great. You're making a little money to spend, right? So you could go shopping. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're here to take over the world. Thank you. <laughs> because the the one of the intents of this group, and this, I'm really passionate about this, is to support these women to make more so they can give more. So make more money so they can get 
um, working with me, they'll get more time back and we'll, we'll dive deeper into that so that they can make a bigger positive impact in the world. Because well, that, all the women I'm working with want to do that. They want to make a difference. Yeah. And, and it's such a healthy way of looking at it. I, I, I've told this story many times before in a nutshell, right at the beginning when I set up this business, because I came more from an arty type of background as an actor, but I, I was, had always, I realized, had a bit of a weird blockage about money. And um, it was pointed out to me by, uh, we did a sort of, I did a bartering with another kind of coach, if you like, who do, advises on money stuff. And he said, every time you say money, you put inverted commas around it, Trisha, what is going on? <laughs> I'm still doing that. <laughs> so I do, oh, money. Um, and we unpacked that a little bit, but taking that angle, and it was actually, I think a friend of mine, I think also my husband said this of, but hang on a minute, it's not, you're not, you're not making money because you're a greedy egotist who wants to rule the world. You're, make, you're making money in order to be able to help other people. Just completely reframes it, doesn't it? I love it. Yeah. If we make more, we can give more. We can yeah. give more of our time. We can give more of our money. We can make more of a difference, but to do that, we need money. So yeah. we need to grow successful, highly profitable businesses. But the flip side of that is what we do with it. Because as you correctly pointed out, none of the women I'm working with so far in my council have a desire to be a gazillionaire. But the, what they want to do is make a difference. It's like my friend Bethany, who started a homeless coalition. She said it perfectly. She said, I work so I can support my nonprofit habit. Mm. I love that. Mm. I work so I can support my nonprofit habit. Oh, that is just that glorious. Great? Yeah, I'm writing this down. Um, listen, sorry, just hang on a minute. I'm writing it down. Um, right. Okay, that'll go in the show notes. Right. So, yes. So here we go. So here we are. We're all working now um, to support our nonprofit habits or whatever, just to, to be able to give more. We want to maybe just free up some time uh, for something else we're doing in our life, whatever it is. Right. Okay. So we get to a certain point. We've, we've sort of rumbled along fine. It's just us. It's our business. We've started it and we're kind of coping, um, you know, in those early days, it's all a bit chaotic. We're evolving. We're finding our thing. Um, and then we, <laughs> then we accidentally seem to find that it's working really quite well. <laughs> oh, what's going on? That must be anyway. Now we're. I love the way you actually said problems because of success. I think that's a, another really interesting little phrase, listeners. So the problems could be things like well, they're they're likely to involve time because we are only perhaps Usually. one person. So right. so where where do you find with all the people you work with? Is there is there a sort of first step where things start to crumble and is there a first point at which that intervention needs to kind of happen and, and you need to bring some process in i think the awareness happens when you sit down and realize you're working 12 hour days or more and you suddenly realize you no longer have a life all you're doing is working and that happened to me uh, especially running multiple businesses it was like i wasn't doing anything except work and I sort of had this aha moment where like, I did not go into business to work myself into an early grade. This has got to stop. So the first challenge I set myself was to see, could I, as the entrepreneur and owner of my own business, carve myself out a four day work week? And I tested out my theory last summer. Um, and as I mentioned, being in New Jersey, I'm on the 
west side, but in an hour I can be on the beach, which is my happy place. So one day a week, the nicest day of the week, I would go to the beach and sit there and just read a book and relax and only allow myself to work four days a week. And I had zero impact on my business. In fact, if anything, it had a positive impact on my business because I got the mental break and the physical break and my brain would solve some problems while I was there. It just sounds so counterintuitive to work less to achieve more, but that's what I found out worked. So that's the kind of the first tipping point. The other thing is you start to realize you're not good at everything. When we start as entrepreneurs, we wear every single hat. We're doing all the marketing, all the sales, all the bookkeeping, everything, everything that has to be done to run the business. And at some point you realize I can't do it all anymore. And frankly, I don't like doing it all. And I would really love it if somebody would do this piece. In my case, it's bookkeeping. I would love to have a bookkeeper. So you start looking at what, and I have this phrase, do what you do best and delegate the rest. Nice. Do what you do best and delegate the rest, whether that is setting up automations to handle certain things um, by doing more planning, like uh, let's say you batch create your content, you set up all your stuff at once, so then you could just bang, 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 drop it out. Um, that's half automation and half you, but it's still more efficient. Uh, it delegating also could mean adding team members. Well, what does that look like? If you're going to bring team members on, I, the number one complaint I hear about that is, well, two things. One, nobody can do it as well as I do. Or two, more like, I'm, I'm irreplaceable. Nobody can do what I do. Okay, both wrong. All you need to do is develop your operations manual and document it. Dump your entire brain in there, everything that you know in your operations manual. And if you do it right with videos and text, and this is where I bring my Evernote tool in, and you share it with the people who are coming on, and I've verified this doing it with clients, they can actually sometimes come in and do those jobs better. Mm. That's the real light bulb moment for my clients. They're like, yeah, I, I'll give you an example. My client, Shelly in Texas, she thought she had to book her own flights whenever she was traveling. I said, you have an administrative assistant now. Just set the parameters. Tell her, this is how I decide which flight, which airline, here's where my points are. Tell her everything she needs to know and stop doing that. That's not your job. I move entrepreneurs out of wearing all the hats into the CEO role. And this is a, a good CEO will know what to delegate. And that's where my phrase, do what you do best and delegate the rest comes from, because that's what a CEO does. Just do what you love in the business. That's why we went into it in the first place. When you start doing these kinds of things, you get your time back, you make more money because you're focused on doing the money making activities now, not the bookkeeping, not booking the travel. You know, you, you delegate the stuff that is at a lower price point because you're not worth $20 an hour. You're worth $120 an hour, $220 an hour, whatever you put your own price tag on it. I'm going for 500 an hour right now. So you can call it what you need it to be and then delegate out the rest. And guess what? If you're making that kind of money, you can afford to hire a team. Yes. Now that's the chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Because yes. Because we, in the early days, we, uh, and, and we're growing and we're sort of, maybe we've, maybe we've inched our prices up a little bit, you know, carefully and we're all panicking because, oh God, no, that's too expensive. Or we're panicking because we're not expensive enough, whatever it is, but we're kind of playing with that. Um, we haven't got like loads of high paying clients or anything. So we're now looking at our budget and we're thinking, haven't got a huge amount. We've also probably paid out copious amounts in 
various, dare I say it, various courses that we really oh, yes. need to have done. Um, yes. but I think people will resonate with that, including you, Sandy. So we all do it. We all do it. It's, it's part of the well, we don't actually all have to do it. So we'll just put that warning out there in this episode. Um, be very careful in the early days, because I think when you lack the confidence because you're finding your feet, you very quickly grab on to other people's stuff. Um, and that's where you will find yourself sinking money in which two, three years down the line, you, your little, your brain is saying, oh, remember that 2,000 pounds? God, if only I had it now, because I really do know what to do with it now. Right. That, the stuff you I, just talked about. I go back now and look at some of these courses and trainings I, I'm going through and going, now I understand it. The first time I did it, I didn't get it. Now I'm going, oh, that's what they meant. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yes, exactly. You 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 get more value out of something when you've got a little bit more footing on yourself going on. But but yeah, so, so I love this idea because I come from obviously the olden days, <laughs> and so and I used to be a secretary, um, sort of a PA. I think I was a kind of um, woman of multitasking all things in a small business at one stage as well. So, and I remember being handed oh I also did temping so I remember that that's probably the best example being handed the literal physical file with the um you know plastic sheets in with the various letterhead things in and the style right. of typing and the how you indented paragraphs and everything or everything and what coffee your boss liked and so interestingly whilst it should be I guess easier with all this um, internet digital world that we've now got all the systems that are there in the cloud and everything <laughs> it, it in some ways maybe it's it, it's not unless we approach it properly because actually there was something incredibly simple about index files and and and, and folders um uh, and filing cabinets in some ways part of me yearns for that because I think, oh if I just had all these contacts here in my little but then I'm thinking, yeah, but you wouldn't have all these contexts because LinkedIn wouldn't have, wouldn't have existed in this way. So right. it's a question of how do we tame the, the wildness of all this choice? Right. And the, believe me, shiny object syndrome right here. I chase all the toys and tools out on the internet. I love tech, but there's one core piece of tech that I've stayed with that answers that question and that's Evernote. If you wrap your brain around the fact that Evernote is like clay and you can shape it into whatever you need it to be, it becomes the most priceless tech piece you can work with in your business because you can do everything in there. My entire life is in Evernote. And part of that is because I need a backup brain because my memory is not good, thanks to Limes and some other things um not least being age <laughs> so i need to start store everything i need to remember somewhere and evernote proved to be the very best thing i mean even today as we're talking um i have notes in evernote about our podcast today so that i can remember things that i want to remember to talk about and um, things that you've asked me about in because i won't remember them but the best case I have found for this, and this works no matter what business you're running, is to develop your operations manual in there. And it's for a bunch of reasons. One, because it's 
in Evernote, it can be easily updated. You don't have to reprint, you know, 30 binders for the company. If one thing changes, right, you just go in, you make the updates in that note, but Evernote functions like a virtual filing cabinet. If you want to think of it that way or bookshelf, like you said, you were handed a binder. So with Evernote, Evernote is the bookshelf and you use notebooks that you group together. So like, for example, you might have an HR department notebook, or you might have um, a marketing notebook, or for me, I have a business clients notebook for my promo business. I've got each client has their own notebook and that sort of thing. And then you have shelves, which in Evernote language is called a stack. And that's just where you stack your notebooks. Um, and then of course, inside each notebook is a note pertaining to the different things you're talking about. So you see how it would become very easy to do that, to develop an operations manual in there. Um, and the other beautiful part about it is the control you have over what you share in there. So if you've got more secure business data that only gets shared with the C-suite people or only the CEO. I mean, there are notebooks in my Evernote that no one can see but me. And that's great. Um, but there are other notebooks that other people need to see and I can share them. So when you're working with even just a small organization of two or three people, you can determine who gets access to which notebook to make changes or just read it because you can set view only. It, it's, it's so versatile. Um, it works perfectly. I will say this to the process of creating an operations manual. If anybody is listening to this and thinking, yeah, I need to document my business so I can start onboarding some new help, understand it's probably a one-year commitment. And the reason I say that is you need to run through your whole business life cycle of one year before you've done everything once. So you can get it documented, whether it's quarterly procedures, year-end procedures, how you prepare to go to the accountant to do your taxes, um, how you interview new clients, what the sales journey is for your customers and prospects, all of it. It takes time and you're going to change it as you go through. It's a living document, which is why Evernote is so perfect. You just go into the note and make whatever changes. And the second important thing to remember is if you're doing a note that someone else has to follow, after the note is done, ask them to run through the process in there and watch them. Anytime they get stuck or have a question, immediately update that note with that information. The idea is to make yourself replaceable. You need people in your organization who can do what you do the way you want it done. And that's very key. I find a lot of my entrepreneurs moving into that CEO role come back to me later and say that that was a pivotal moment when they realized if I want it done the way I want it done, all I have to do is tell them. Yeah. Oh, ah, oh, gosh, that's, that's rich. That, that is, that is, there's a lot in there. I, I really, yeah, there's a lot in there. Now, I love the way you've said you've got to let it run a year because, because of that cycle, you know, if you sit down and say, oh, you know, I'm going to do my whole manual this week. Um, and that's you overwhelming. Know, yeah, no, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. Okay. So, um, so then it's, I'm just I'm just going to add in the wretched social media um, world. Okay, <laughs> I said wretched. I just said wretched. I mean, I'm on it. I use it <laughs> now. Ah, oh, and we, and we met through it in a way. Although I never ever think of LinkedIn as social media. Weird. Right. 
I, I don't know why I don't put it I don't use that same description it's um yeah but anyway that maybe that's just me but in terms of you you talked about scheduling so that is one of the big time consumers uh, and now I, I mean I guess if you were working with if you're working with me, for instance, and I was saying, here, here, here I'm a case study, Sandy. I'm a case study, everybody. <laughs> Why do you think I do this podcast? <laughs> um, so here, here's, a, here's a story. So I wrote my book, which was published last year. I'm doing a TEDx talk in April this year, uh, which will either already be there, listeners, or not yet. And... It, I could envisage a situation because I've now really got my feet under the table about really what I'm about and what I want to do and how I want to help people. I could envisage a situation where I, my business could grow if I approached it correctly. Um, and I would then be worrying about things like oh but I need to keep up this presence on Instagram and on uh I don't even know why I'm on Twitter I usually end up making political comments on Twitter which is dangerous um um on LinkedIn and on Facebook oh I don't know how to use Facebook I, I don't even oh whatever but I'm doing it anyway just it's almost that feeling of I know what happens is you 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 keep doing it and in your brain there's a second part of your brain which is saying Oh, I'll just do it. I just, oh God, I haven't put a thing on LinkedIn today. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And, and next week I'll sit down and really come up with a plan. And of course, next week never comes. Right. <laughs> so so I, I feel that that is one of the huge time suckers of us, the social media stuff. But it also, I feel, is there's something slightly farcical about it because I think we forget to keep remembering why the heck we're doing it um does that happen with your yeah so so if you so if you're working with me later on in the year and this beautiful TEDx talk has come out and suddenly the book is selling more because people have heard my name and they get what I'm about and now I'm thinking oh geez but I can't take on I can't take on 20 clients a month um this is ridiculous now what do I do and, and I certainly can't keep up my social media presence and all those fabulous videos I put on LinkedIn will forget those oh no I can't forget them because that's what made me you know where would I start Sandy <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing I would tell you is to stop worrying about the social media. Um, and Yay! this isn't just to me, but I've been talking to some other experts who have phenomenal businesses. And um, there's one in particular. He said, I do one thing. I speak. I teach classes. I do speaking. I talk. That's it. I don't do any of the rest of it. And I've taken one of his courses and they're extremely amazing. And I'll just drop his name. If you see David Newman somewhere in a course being offered, sign up for it and you can look for his thought leadership facebook group where he just drops so much expert marketing information it blows my mind every day so he's really really good but you need to uh, drop your line where your fish are right and you're a professional working with a lot of professionals which is why linkedin is the ideal platform for you because that's where the people that you want to connect with are hanging out and that's a key rule in marketing which is what you're describing there a little bit is, you know, do yeah. I have to do all the things? And the answer is no. Um, the other question as far as if I suddenly start growing, I like to get to people like you before that happens, because we talk about 
when you scale, not if, when you scale, what should it look like? And that's where you have to start moving into a different model where you can do one-to-ones to a certain degree, but that price goes way up. And then you start moving into the one-to-many model, which is like my CEO councils or small groups, and you serve um, small groups at one time. You can run them through a cohort-based course where you are still live with them and you're teaching over six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it turns out to be that makes the most sense for what you want to share with them, but you're working with a group. So that way you can help more people at one time without killing your time and going back to working 12 hour days. So there's a whole lot of different ways to solve that problem. And I really do a one-to-one approach on that, studying the industry my client is in, what their objectives are, even what they wanna make. You know, Not everybody wants to make a billion dollars a year. Some of them just want a comfortable living where they can make a good positive impact. And so those numbers are lower. The number of people that you need to work with is lower. The dollar amount might even be a little lower. It just depends on what you're trying to achieve. So I I don't have a cookie cutter answer because I don't do cookie cutter. Good. I'd, I'd be very disappointed if you did cookie cutter, Sandy. That, that, <laughs> um, no, absolutely not. But that's you're right. You need to. It's a bit like, well, you know, you go to the dentist because you've got blinking abscess and your mouth is falling off. You know, really, ideally, go to the dentist on a regular basis before right. you get to that stage. Do your exactly. stretching exercises before you break your back, you know, all the rest of it. So it's the same with this, isn't it? It is the same. You're, you're right. That's a that's a very good little piece of advice you've just dropped in there. And I've made a note of it, Sandy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but it is interesting because I, you know, because people, I think it's so easy. And this is, I guess, you know, where really clearing the decks and getting this calm clarity through the use of strong, as you say, systems and processes, which are not boring, by the way, listeners. I, they're not. They are what frees you up. I was just going to use that word. They're freeing not boring at all. You put systems in place and you get your freedom back. Yeah, that is it. That is absolutely it. Um, I've just realized that we're kind of out of time and I could carry on talking for another hour or so. Um, It's interesting you talk about the four day week because it's been talked about slightly. um, I heard it on the radio the other day. uh, I think, I don't know, it's politics or whatever, but somebody's put it forward. Mm -hmm. And what they were talking about, they were saying something like, you know, 80% of the time, 100% of the productivity. Um, but but there's, I don't think the conversation that's been have that that people are having about it is right. I think it's being framed because um, people people are getting people are very twitchy about it. They they have this sense everyone's just going to be you know chilling out and 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 doing a bad job. But equally, you don't want a situation where you feel I've got to work myself to the bone in these four days um, to earn my day off. So it's it's quite an interesting balance. But what you said about it, again, it's freeing up. Right. You know, especially if you've got a passion or a cause that you want to support, you need an extra day a week to devote to that. Or even that extra day a week could be um, working on your business, looking at next steps. How do I add a revenue stream like writing a book or starting a podcast or speaking? Um, You need time to think about the business too, not just execute the the work that comes in, um, 
meet with clients. Like I, I only allow clients to book me four days a week now. And Friday, you'll see on my planner explicitly says, this is work on the business day. Um, in the summer, that work on the business may happen on the beach. <laughs> but um, I, it has helped me to grow this business more than I would have ever imagined to have this four-day work week. Now, there's not every profession or every company that can get away with that. But as entrepreneurs, particularly as we transition to a more CEO role, there is no reason why we can't have four-day work weeks. We may have employees who are working five days a week for us, or maybe even they're only working four days a week. Um, it, it just depends. You know, that's one of those you've got to look at the different scenarios related to the business to make sure, like retail. You know, it would be very hard for them to have four-day mm. work weeks and be closed yeah. for three days. They take too much of a hit for that. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And I like that. I, I've heard somebody else use this working on as opposed to working in your business, because, right. uh, you know, that's the bit that tends to get put to the bottom of the pile, the working Definitely. on bit. And it's uh, you can't have a successful business without that bit. So, duh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good ending duh uh, <laughs> um, I've, I've got pictures of your beach scenes now you've conjured up and in fact um it's about three o'clock in the afternoon here and the sun is really bright today in um in Bournemouth and the blue sky is tempting me and I am going to you know take your advice and I'm going to say hey you know why am I self-employed what am I doing here I've worked hard this week I'm jolly well going to go down the beach with a book now so there we go all right <laughs> but that doesn't but that doesn't mean to say it's because I've got my processes sorted. <laughs> no but I bet as you're sitting there you will think more about your process in the back of your mind and come back with ideas I know I'm going to and I take I, a notebook yeah. with you too so you can capture them <laughs> oh yes oh that's true actually I've got a little notebook that's another yeah so that's a sort of um old school Evernote you yes. take your notebook with you love it and then you transfer oh. it into Evernote later so you don't lose the notes <laughs> exactly 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 and we all have to find our own way um that you know like you say no cookie cutters it's just the principle of this that, that I think is really really useful so thank you Sandy like I said I could carry on talking for ages, but I think we've given a mass of rich gorgeousness to our listeners here. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and will enjoy picking up with you again at some stage. Um, and obviously we, we know each other back in LinkedIn land. So I'll, I'll see you there. And thank you so much. Thank you. So here's an action to take. Just over the course of the next business year, Start making a note in Google Docs or wherever you want it to be of how you do what you do. I've done it with this podcast, for instance, you know, how I edit it, what I use, what I put at the beginning and end, what social media I use, those kind of things, a bit of an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that doesn't come naturally to me. Just give it a slow, steady go. So if you want to know when the next episode is out and get the Make It Real business tips, including making sure you show up and share without getting squashed by the fibs, the fears, illusions and baggage stuff, sign up to my Sharp and Share email. The link is in the show notes. You'll get helpful freebies when you sign up. And every other episode of this podcast is just me, by the way, popping in with five minutes of digging deeper into a Sharp and Share unsquashing topic subscribe please 
and share, please. Oh, and find out more about ways we might work together at trishalewis.com. Thanks for listening and stay curious and unsquashed.